Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. chapter 22, we, we have a message prepared for you today. So, as we are here in the last book of the Bible, in the last chapter of the Bible, we're going to look at the last verses of the last chapter of the last book. You know, last words are very important. It reminds me, someone asked a boy about his daddy, uh, who, had, or, who had died and gone on to heaven, and said, what were your father's last words? And the little boy said, Daddy didn't have any last words. Mother was with him right to the end. <laughs> There's people like this. That wasn't funny. You'll think about it. It'll come to you. Delayed pause there. You'll laugh in a minute. But anyway. You know, last words are important. May I just tell you, the last words of the Bible are vitally important. We need to read to the very end to see what God has for us. And what we're going to deal with is the summation of this glorious book that's called the book of the Revelation. And we've been in it Sunday after Sunday, month after month. And some of you are saying, finally he's through. Where are we going next? Um, we have been in Revelation uh, all the way back into the end when we started the book of Revelation in the end of 2021. So I'm sad today. In a way, you're visiting with us. You've missed a lot of preaching out of this book of Revelation, talking about prophecy, talking about what's going to happen. And, uh, and so in some ways I'm sad, but do you know the Bible says that, that, that this is a blessing book? And the Bible says if you'll read it and you'll heed, heed it, that you will be blessed. And if nothing else, I just want to challenge you to read God's Word and get into God's Word and allow it to bless you. And as we've preached through this incredible book for these many, many months, months after, month after month, um, here's what we've learned is that God has a concise plan and He deals with the doom of the devil. How many of you with me this morning, you could rejoice. It's finally coming to an end. The devil's going to be dealt with. I'm sick of the devil. I'm tired of the devil. I hate the devil. You're not supposed to hate anything. I hate sin and I hate the devil. With an exclamation point. We've dealt with the mystery of the dead over these past months and we've dealt with uh, the, the the mystery of just history what's going to happen and we've dealt with the triumph of the lamb and we know we've sang about him all morning long the lamb is the lord jesus christ and one day he is going to ultimately triumph and it's going to be an amazing time but on this friend day pastor why didn't you take a well, opportunity to, to teach about something else do you realize friend we're going to look into God's word today and on friend day we're going to learn something about there's a friend named Jesus 
And he's way more important than me trying to, to sit, give you a devotion at and try to make you feel good about yourself. You know what? I'm going to let the Word of God do the work this morning. So look with me there in Revelation chapter 22. We'll pick up in verse number 6, and we're going to work our way uh, this morning through the end of this book. And so here in verse number 6, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. And verse number 7 says this, Behold, I come quickly. Father, I ask, as we've sung about you, that you've been pleased with our worship. Father, as we have distractions, there's lunch on the grounds, and there's fun things for the family. Father, can we... Can we not be distracted for a few minutes on the most important thing, and that's you and the preaching of your word. Would you help us to be able to refocus our minds and our spirit? And Father, that each one of us would just be able to ask, what can I learn today that could help me? And then, Father, I beg you to send your Holy Spirit to convict, challenge, encourage where needed, and to call those who might not have a personal relationship with you this morning. Lord, I need you. Help me to say only that which is pleasing to you, in Jesus' name, amen. If you're visiting with us, you're a regular attender, you're a member, uh, you're a faithful member, I want you, I want you to l look with me at four thoughts this morning, four thoughts as we conclude this chapter 22 of the book of Revelation. Here's thought number one. The Savior's sudden return is promised. The Savior's sudden return is promised. These are the words of Jesus. These are not my words. These are not even the words of the inspired Apostle John. Jesus said, look closely there, in verse number seven, he says this, behold, I come quickly. Friend, this is an ironclad promise from our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Revelation chapter 22, he says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, remember John is the one who has written the book of Revelation. And I, John, saw these things. I heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, Seeth thou, do it not? For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Uh, there's a, we could underscore this thought that we are to worship God. John was so overcome with what he had seen, what he had heard, what he had been asked to write down, that he made an egregious uh, social error here. The Bible says there that he was so overcome with emotion that he fell down at the feet of the angel and he worshipped the angel. Only the angel rebuked him and said, John, get up. You don't worship me. We're to worship the Lord. By the way, we're to worship the Lord. We're not to worship man's system. We're not to worship the church. We're not to worship the pastor. We're to worship Jesus Christ. Look what he says there. And he says unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. If you mark in your Bible or you want to or you want to make a note in your handout there, underscore this thought. For the time is at hand. What is that? Verse 11, he that is unjust, 
Let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. In verse number 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. That's a scary verse. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there is coming a time when this promise will be fulfilled and my reward is with me and I'm going to give that reward to every person according as his work shall be. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I just have to tell you that your reward, what you have earned, is eternal separation from God in heaven in a place called the lake of fire. But for the Christian, you also, What you're doing in this lifetime matters for what the reward will be in the next lifetime. He says in verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And all of this I'm I'm calling the Bible's last prophecy. And that is that our Savior's sudden return is promised. It is assured. It is going to happen. John writes the words of Jesus, Behold, I come Quickly. The word quickly does not here mean immediately, though it could have, uh, have been immediate. It means he's, he's just coming back suddenly, like the snap of your finger. The Bible calls his coming in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. One scholar said the twinkling of an eye is one trillionth of a second. Again, the Bible says he's coming like a, a lightning bolt. And light travels at 186,000 miles per second. What he's saying here is that I'm coming quickly i'm coming rapidly i'm coming suddenly i'm coming in a moment i'm coming in the twinkling of an eye by the way that could happen before i end this message i would be okay with that none of us know when jesus christ is coming but we know this that if we believe the bible that he is coming listen to this your destiny is determined by what you've done before he comes there is a key word in that statement my friend you are visiting with us today I do not know you you are here on the on the at the request of someone else thank you so much for coming you have casually attended you are a regular attender you're a member of this church if I could just beg you and beseech you to please listen to this that it matters what you do before he comes back for it is too late if you wait to make a decision about Jesus after he returns precious friend how foolish how foolish you would be not to be ready for the coming of our lord jesus christ yesterday i had the opportunity to take a quick bicycle ride and it got a little bit hotter than i had planned for and i ran out of hydration so i stopped at rocking k um uh, uh, store down there on old spanish trail and and uh and so uh, i went in to, uh, to grab a bottle of gatorade and, uh, and I came back out, and I sat on the bench that was down uh, right there in the parking lot. But they have a porch, and there were six adults that were there on the porch. And there were beer cans everywhere, and they were drinking, and they were very loud and uh, obnoxious. And obviously, they had had a, a few beers by now. And, uh, and, and I, I was just going to drink a quick Gatorade, get rehydrated, and so that I could get back home. 
And, uh, and so I'm listening, but I couldn't help but what they were, listen to what they were talking about. And they were, they were scoffing Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light and making uh, that none of them would ever drink a Bud Light again. And they were getting, getting into, if you, if you follow social media, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, Bud Light has lost billions of dollars because of their, uh, their, their radical transgender uh, 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 social media influencer that they've been using. And, and so uh, they were talking about that, and they were getting very loud. And one of the guys says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to drink Miller Lite until 4 a.m. in the morning, and then I'll just sleep it off all day tomorrow. And I couldn't help but think, there's a lot of people like living their life like that. When Jesus comes back, they're not going to be ready. They're not going to know what hit them. They were using some really foul language, and I finally just got uh, uh, my bike and went over and moved away because of the language. And and, and, and actually, I, my heart hurt because I knew I was going to preach today. You know the Tucson. I, I, I'm not talking about New York City or Philadelphia. I'm not talking about San Francisco. I'm talking about Tucson. It's full of people. Their life is drinking, getting drunk, sleeping it off on Sunday. And that's their life. That's what makes them happy. May I just tell you, Jesus Christ is the reason we should be living Jesus Christ can change your life. Jesus Christ can give you fulfillment. And, and the, even the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice. Some of you, you've come to church many times. And you've listened to singing. You may have even read a Bible verse as the... Preacher was reading a Bible verse, but you've never quieted down enough to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. I beg you today, as you're listening to this message, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And He will if you're listening. And here's what He's going to say to you if you're listening. I'm coming back. Are you ready? I'm coming back. Are you ready? There's an interesting verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2. It says this concerning salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, as we look at that verse, if it would be okay, let me point out three words here in this verse. The word now, the word time, and the word day. Now, time, and day. You see, now we're living in time. And when eternity begins, uh, there'll be no more salvation for you. Paul is saying here, writing to the the church, of course, some 2,000 years ago, now is the time. And then he mentions the day. Now, one of these days, there'll be no more days. And I want to just encourage you, if you've never become a Christian, you've never been saved, you've never changed from that life of sin that Jesus Christ died for. I want you to remember this, that Jesus Christ is your only hope. And if you look with me there in Revelation chapter 22, in our final verses of this chapter, in verse number 13, Jesus says this, I am Alpha and Omega. Do you see that? The first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And so if I were preaching uh, to this audience today using the same illustration, I would say this, I am A and Z. I am the beginning and the end of the alphabet. Friend, do you know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Uh, That's what he's saying. He's saying here in verse number 13, listen, folks, it's all about me. 
And this flies in the very face of our society today that preaches this. It's all about you. My friend, I don't want to offend you. I want you to stay for lunch. We have a crew of 20-some people that's preparing lunch for you right now. I don't want you to leave upset. But I want to be direct, and I want to speak truth into you if you'll listen. It is not about you. It's about Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, is that we have to come to a point in our life when we say, wait a second, there was literally a man who gave his life for me. It's not about you. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Uh, Jesus has come, and he is coming again. And Jesus is coming again. I want you to know that. Jesus is coming again. I want you to, to, to believe it. I want you to spread the word. I want you to tell others he is coming, and he is coming suddenly, and it has been promised right here in the book of Revelation. Well, let's quickly move on to our second thought this morning. Not only is the Savior's sudden return promised, but I want you to see in thought number two, the sinner's specific redemption is pronounced. This is why you come this morning. I assure you, this is why you've come, is that the sinner's specific redemption is promised. In other words, how do I become a Christian? Why do I need to become a Christian? Why do I need to believe what you believe, Pastor Armstrong, and believe what hundreds and hundreds of other people believe? Look with me there quickly in Revelation chapter 22 as we look in verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. For without, outside the gates of the city are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come! And let him that heareth come, and let him that is a thirst, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Friend, this is a saving word this morning. Do you want to be saved? The Bible says, whosoever will may come. Verse 14 and 15, he's talking about being clean, being white. Have you washed your robes in the blood of the Lamb? And you hear people say this, well, I am a dyed-in-the-wool Baptist. I am a dyed-in-the-wool Methodist. I am a dyed-in-the-wool Catholic. I am a dyed-in-the-wool Presbyterian. May I just tell you, you better be this, a washed-in-the-blood Baptist. A washed-in-the-blood Presbyterian. A washed-in-the-blood Methodist. You see, there's only one way to be saved, and that's through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Had there been any other way, God would have taken it. He would, have allowed, he, he, he would have never allowed his precious son, Jesus Christ, to die in agony and bleed on that old cruel cross had there been some other way to get to heaven. My friend, it may not be important to you, but in the afterlife it's going to be very important to you of what you did with Jesus Christ in this life. Do you believe that he is the only way to heaven? Verse 17. Do you have your, there in your Bibles? Would you just look at that? I know the words will be on the screen behind me. But verse 17 is one of the sweetest invitations in all of the Bible. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Let me ask you a question. 
all of you, everyone here, ground floor, balcony, may ask you this question. Who cares if a sinner goes to hell? May I just tell you, Jesus does. Jesus cares. You see, that's why Jesus stepped out of the glories of heaven and he walked the dusty shores of Galilee. And that's why Jesus left heaven's love for heaven, for this abuse that's here on earth. And that's why Jesus was nailed to that hellish machine called a cross and he died in agony and blood. Why is that? That with every drop of his blood, he's saying this, I love you, I love you, I love you, I want to save you. Yet people will still turn their back, they'll curse God, and they'll walk away. I'm telling you that if you die and go to hell, you will have to climb over his battered, bruised body to get there. And he's saying this this morning, stop! Don't go there! Don't go to the lake of fire! I've already taken your punishment if you'll yet but believe! Jesus even said this in John 6 and verse number 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me to draw him. And you're sitting here listening this morning to the preaching of the Word of God. There's another voice speaking to you, and it is called the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Who cares if you go to hell? Jesus cares. Who cares if you go to hell? The Holy Spirit cares, my friend. There's one other group of people. If I said, who cares if you go to hell? May I just tell you, the church of Jesus Christ cares if you go to hell. May I even be more specific, Tucson Baptist Church cares if you were to die and go to a place called hell. It would break our heart. Because we're doing everything we can to tell men and women, boys and girls about Jesus Christ. And yet... Today, there will be people that will walk out these back doors and say, well, the music was nice, but that guy, I don't know why he gets so excited. I got lots of time. I'll do it when I get older. Tell that to the eight precious souls who lost their life in Texas last night who were shopping, who planned something for today, who was already thinking about Mother's Day. You see, you do not know if you have one minute past the minute you're in right now. I'll tell you who cares, and that's the church right here where you are seated. Because the Bible says, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. Who is the bride? The church. The church is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are the composite bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the bride is not only here on earth, but the bride is also in heaven. And those in heaven are looking down and they're saying, Come on, you can do it. They're cheering us on. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 says this, that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. We are on the field running, and they're in heaven cheering us. And it's like a relay race. They've already gone on before us. And, and they've placed the baton in our hand. Think about this. Peter 
and James and Paul and the Apostle John. They've gone on before, but they left the baton behind for someone to pick it up and to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And be, if the Lord should so tarry, we're going to pass the baton on to the next generation to tell people about Jesus. Here's the fact of the matter is that if you are saved, you are part of the bride of Christ, and we have a responsibility to tell others about him. What is the purpose of our church? It's evangelism. You don't like evangelism that you'll never be happy here because we love telling people about Jesus. Why in the world do you have a friend day so we could tell you about Jesus? Why in the world have we invited you to come so that you can hear about somebody that we love, somebody that we have a dying allegiance to, somebody that brings us peace and contentment in the midst of trial and turbulent storms, somebody that helps us not have to be angry at this whole world. When did you, why, did, uh, why did Jesus come? He even said this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we are here merely to help other people to understand who Jesus is. A church exists by evangelism like a fire exists for burning. Listen, the Lord Jesus cares if a sinner goes to hell. God, the Holy Spirit, cares if a sinner goes to hell. And I'm here to tell you this morning that this church cares if you die and go to hell. I just ask you, please come to Jesus. If you're watching by live stream, you are seated here in one of these comfortable seats this morning. You have heard the truth, and I beg you, I plead with you, do not leave here without Jesus in your heart and your life. Understanding that if you don't, when he does come, you will be eternally separated from him. Come to Jesus. <coughs> there's a, in our first thought, certainly there's the sinner's specific pronouncement for redemption it's the bible's last proposal and that is this is that this the very specific is that you are to come to jesus you want to be saved hallelujah glory to god you want to be saved come to jesus and he's reaching out with you with those nail pierced hands and saying come 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 jesus says it it's repeated here in revelation chapter 22 come the individual says come the holy spirit says come we as a church we say come you come and drink of that living water that will give you life eternal well let's move quickly to our third thought as we wrap up our series here that is the the scripture sinful revision is prohibited the scripture sinful revision is prohibited I want you to see this last prohibition drop down to verse number 18 and verse number 19 for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. You know what he's saying here? Don't try to revise the Bible. Don't try to make the Bible politically correct. Um, we live in an age where there's the homosexual Bible, and we live in an age where there's a Bible that's for a she-god. And we live in an age where we've taken uh, out that there's only one way uh, uh, to get to heaven, that there are many ways to get to heaven. Uh, the urge to revise God's Word goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, if you've ever heard that story. There was a man named Adam and Eve uh, who were in that perfect environment, and the serpent came to, to Eve and said, Ha! Hath God said, 
And he puts a question mark where the word of God had put an exclamation part. And the devil is always trying to undermine the word of God. The devil is always trying to make you doubt the word of God. And I'm just telling you that any, any place where someone tries to put a question mark on the authority of the word of God, you need to run from that person. You need to rebuke that person. Why would I bring up this point on friend day? Friend, I have a responsibility to tell you the truth. I would love to tell you this morning that, listen, you know what? If you gave $1,000 to the church, you could go to heaven. I'd be adding to the word of God and taking away from the word of God, and I'd be in danger of the plagues and judgment of God if I said something like that. But if I also said, listen, I know you're a nice person, but if you would actually, if you would actually just do some good works, if you'll help feed the homeless, and you would just help... Uh, at the animal shelter and if you would do this and you would do that and be a good person man here's what's going to happen at the end of time God's going to weigh your works and we want your good works to outweigh your bad works and you could go to heaven if I said something like that man that would make us all feel really good but it would be a damnable heresy for me to say something like that I have to tell you the truth and here's the truth Jesus is the only way to heaven I do not have permission to say anything else but that which is written in the Bible and there is a lake of fire of which you will go to that place if you reject Jesus Christ it would be sinful of me to revise the Bible and say something different than that which has been written who is the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God that is Jesus and Jesus alone and he calls himself faithful and true and then here in chapter 22 he calls the bible faithful and true if we use a little logic the same words that jesus christ applies to himself he applies to the word of god jesus is the one who is faithful and true don't add to this book may i just tell you that bible in your lap it is a complete book it is composed of 66 unique books that all work together 39 books in the old testament 27 books in the new testament there's not a jot nor a tittle will fail from uh, till the law shall be completely fulfilled the bible says and jesus said in matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4 it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, it doesn't say some, it doesn't say the verses you like, it doesn't say the verses you don't like. Here's what the Bible says. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I had sooner take forked lightning in my hand than to try to revise and remodel the Word of God. Don't change it, friend. We do not need the Book of Mormon. We have the Word of God. We do not need the Koran. We have the Word of God. It is settled. It is sealed. It is fixed. Don't add to it. Don't dilute it. And my friend, the reason I bring this up on Friend Day is for this. If you leave here thinking there is some other way to go to heaven, I have, I have inadequately dispensed the Word of God. There is only one way to go to heaven, and that's through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Every Word of God is pure. 
The Bible is very clear about this, so be careful, friend. If you were to add to the uh, Word of God or you to take away from the Word of God, I don't like that verse. If you take away from the Word of God, you'll be very foolish to do so. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 and 6 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add thou not unto His words, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Well, let's quickly review. Our first thought was this, the Savior's sudden return is promised. He is coming back. Hallelujah. The second thought is the sinner-specific redemption is pronounced. It is only through the finished work of Jesus Christ. The third thought is this, is the Scripture's sinful revision is prohibited. I do not have permission to tell you that there's some other way to heaven as much as I would like for everyone to go to heaven. But the Bible simply says that it is not by our works that gets us to heaven. It's through the finished work of Christ. Finally, this morning, our fourth and final thought is this. The saints' serious request through prayer. The saints' serious request through prayer. We now come to the final words of this final book in the last chapter. Here's the last prayer. What is it? Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, 21, we find that it is Jesus. Jesus is the one testifying this. He which testifieth these things says, surely... I come quickly. Multiple times he has said this in this passage of Scripture. We find that it is Jesus. Jesus is the one testifying. And then there it says, Even so come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Can you use your creative imagination for a moment? Can you imagine John? He's an aged man by now. He's on the Isle of Patmos. And they say, according to history, there are rock quarries here. I don't know if they made him work in those rock quarries. No doubt he's been persecuted and abused, and he's lonely. The Lord Jesus Christ appears to him. John, I'm about to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to reveal, open to you, what's going to happen in the future. And John... You listen to me. There's going to be some warnings. There's going to be some things that you've never seen before. And there's going to be some things that you're going to see that I don't even want you to write about. And there's going to be great intrigue in the book of Revelation. And John, I want you to write these things down. And John goes through all of these things and he hears these things and the Spirit of God is moving in his heart and he reads about these things and he writes down these things and, and he says this, that there's coming a time when there's going to be a new heaven and there's going to be a new earth. And, um, and then the Lord says, now, now, now John, John, listen. John, I want you to put it down. Tell people not to change an iota, a scintilla of an iota. John, listen, listen to me. I'm coming, son. I'm coming back. Please tell people. Please write it down. And even so, come, Lord Jesus, John writes. Come, Lord Jesus. And John claps his hands, and he says, come, Lord Jesus. And Jesus has said multiple times in chapter 22, I come quickly. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you long for Jesus to come? Friend, you ought to. John, writing the very words of Jesus. John, record this for people. I come quickly, and John just exclaims, Even so, quit talking about it, Lord. Just come quickly. Come back. 
Do you know there's a lot of people in this world who have no hope? And there's a lot of people that don't understand that the Bible says we can have a blessed hope. We can have, we can actually have and experience the blessed hope of Jesus. Friends, there's a lot of people when I say they don't have hope, their, their medicine's getting more expensive. Their bodies are getting sicker. Their bodies are filled emotionally with resentment and hatred. And their bodies are literally falling apart. And they're looking to dying and rotting in some hopeless ground. Because they believe they have no hope. There are also some who have a false hope. They have put their things in things that are not true. And they don't have the precious word of God like we have this morning. And they don't have the witness of the Holy Spirit that we have this morning. And there are some who have a a false hope. Then there are some who just have an uncertain hope. And that may be like some of you this morning. You say, well, Brent, listen. I, I, I hope, I hope what you're saying is true. It sounds good. Oh, friend. Hope in the Bible does not mean a, a maybe. It doesn't mean a hope so. It doesn't mean I may not know what I'm talking about. The Bible word hope means it is a rocked, ribbed assurance based on the word of God. And it means that even more than that, it means it's a, rock, a rocked, ribbed assurance not only based on the word of God, but it's based on the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, I can say to you this morning, you can have the blessed hope of Jesus Christ Amen. with certainty. The second coming of Jesus is called the Blessed Hope. And here we have this great saint called the Apostle John. And he makes a serious request in his prayer life. Lord, Lord Jesus, even so, come quickly. It's the final curtain call. It's the final, it is the absolute final thing that will happen as we enter into the eternity of eternities. The story's been written of a little boy who was raised on a pig farm. This poor boy, he said, when I was a little boy, we were raised on a farm. The farm was so poor that we couldn't even raise an umbrella on it, much less a mortgage. But he went on to write this. I was on the front porch of our farmhouse when all the people, they had gone to town except for me and my mother. He said, my my mother was sitting there on the porch on a rocking chair and I was there sitting on the floor of the porch, and I looked up, and, 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 and I looked at my mother's hands, and they were hard and toil-worn from us being on the pig farm. I looked up at my mama and said, Ma, what's the happiest day of your life? When did that happen? And he wrote, I thought perhaps she would tell me of that moment when my daddy, a, a tall six-foot guy with dark eyes, expressed his love to her. She didn't tell me that. And I thought perhaps she would tell me of that time when the moon spread over our little farm and there by the fence gate he asked her to be his bride. But she didn't tell me that. And I thought perhaps she would tell me about that that time in the cabin in the corner of that little farm where they expressed their vows to to one another and, and my mommy and daddy had been married for some 50 years until my daddy went to heaven and she didn't tell me that. My mama said, son, you've asked a hard question. But she went on to say, in in the war between the states, those were hard times. 
and all the men, they had to go off to war, and we even got our salt by the smokehouse floor, and we got our tea from the sassafras leaves, and we made a substitute coffee from corn. It was a hard time. Then we received word that my daddy, your grandfather Bennett, he, he had been killed in the war. Little boy went on to write, my mama said that her mother, my grandmother, didn't cry out much, much at night, but at nighttime she could hear her mama crying into her pillow. Truly hard times. Then the little boy's mother, as they were sitting there on the front porch of their farmhouse, she went on to say, one day my mother was sitting on the porch, very much like this, and I was sitting at her feet, very much like you were sitting at my feet. And, and the little boy's mother went on to say, my mother had a bowl of beans in her lap, and she was stringing those beans, and she was snapping them. And, and there was a, a figure that came across the field, and she said to me, Elizabeth, honey, I declare that man walks like your daddy. And she kept on snapping those beans. And after a little while, she said, Elizabeth, honey, that man looks like your daddy. And I said to my mama, Mama, now don't get all excited. You know daddy's dead. He, he died in the war. The little boy, he was listening intently to his mom. His mother went on to say, About that time, that figure came and started across the cotton field, and my mother said, Elizabeth, that is your daddy. And she threw those beans in the air and she gathered her skirt and she ran across that cotton field. And that poor pig farmer's boys welled up with tears as his mother paused and looked at me and said, My daddy, your grandfather, he had lost his arm in the war, but he was alive. And he had his sleeve pinned up 